Okay, with uh, Paul Hickman, he's the writer and producer of The Assassin's Apprentice and also The Assassin's Apprentice 2, play of the Action Adventure Film Festival. Is there, well, the, the easiest question, the first question of all, is there's going to be Assassin's Apprentice 3? Uh, it's in the works. I've got about the first 15 pages written, and I ran it by uh, Russ, the director, and uh, uh, Ryan Husk, the um, the producer. So then, so, so then we're, we're all excited for it, but uh, it's kind of up to me to write it now. Are you going to put them all together and then have Assassin's Apprentice feature film? Is that the plan? We're not going to put it together, uh, but the Assassin's Apprentice three is kind of an end game, and it draws from both of the earlier films uh, and expands on it. So when did you? So you wrote the screenplay, correct? Uh, for the Assassin's Apprentice. And Assassin's Apprentice too, yeah. You came like I was like the point. I guess you you came up with the idea of of the script. Do you remember when did you did you talk talk to Russ about it before you wrote it? Like what was the what was the kind of plan of attack when you first wrote the screenplay? Well, it was kind of uh, unusual. Um, so I first met first met Russ back in I believe it was two thousand fourteen. We became friends. Uh, we were part of what we call the uh, the Disneyland posse. We would go down to Disneyland and hang out with a bunch of uh, film friends. And uh, so it, it was. Uh, so the Disney, how many guys were part of the Disneyland posse? Posse, uh, more than a dozen. And you uh, guys, we were, would just, you guys would go into the into the into the into Disneyland into the park and go on rides and stuff, or see Goofy. Yeah, well. I'm a I'm a Club 33 member. I don't know if you know what that is. It's sort oh. of a Disneyland uh, club, and uh, you can take up to up to a dozen people in at a time. So, what? How do you become? How do you become a Club 33 member? Well, this was back in uh, 2008, and uh, my kids were still at home and everything, and uh, found out about Club 33. So, I applied. Um, I actually applied in 2001. It took seven years to get accepted into Club 33. But, but what is that? What is that detail? Like, how do you apply? Like, what is it? Like, what, how do you qualify? Well, back at the time, you just put your name on the list and said, if I am accepted, I will, I will pay your initiation fee and join. Nowadays, I think you need to have a uh, a recommendation from a current member to get it started. Gotcha. And then you guys, you can just go to the park for free. Is that basically what's happening? What happens? Uh, well, with Club 33, it was started out basically as a dining experience. Uh, this was a Walt Disney's actual thought on it was to have a kind of upscale dining experience at Disneyland for dignitaries and whatnot. Uh, although Club 33, unfortunately, did not open until after he passed away. And until about 15 years ago, that's was pretty much the, the limit of it. You got entry into the park, you could dine at the dining room and, um, you know, have some good, good times with your friends. Uh, but a while back, it was probably about 10 years ago, uh, they expanded it and they created a couple of additional Club 33 dining experiences, including a, a jazz lounge and a, kind of a, a bar that would be much like what Walt Disney would have visited after a hard day at work. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's in, in California Adventure. 
so it expanded and uh, then you get um you know tickets to get your friends in and you get um vip tours if you want to and then so you just like decided to do like a film group and, and bring people in well it was interesting um i first got involved with independent film through kickstarter and indiegogo gogo so i was doing small uh, production donations etc but i met a number of people during that time that were very interested in the you know kind of the wholesome fantasy of of disneyland and i was a club 33 member so i invited them to to come along with me and we would do that quite frequently and then so then basically you just wanted you were like donating money to to other people's like independent films and that's how you kind of got started yes exactly yeah that was nice. so like with russ when I, I met russ when he was working on a film called occupants and he had an indiegogo uh starter and um i donated to that in particular because uh I like the the science fiction aspect of it, but also it had uh, Robert Picardo in it. Okay. And I thought that'd be a great experience to go and, and see Robert Picardo acting. Even you know one of my my favorite Star Trek characters. Gotcha. And so so Rust like had him in this film, and then that was like, I guess fun to see. Did you get to meet him? Oh yeah, yeah, I met him. Super guy. And then, so then, so then, when did the idea of kind of doing the Assassin's Apprentice start with Russ? Well, let's see. Okay, so yeah, I met him in 2014. Uh, we had gone to on this Disneyland treks a number of times since then, and uh, I think it was 2016 that I kind of got the itch to to put out a um, a card game. It was a card game called The Assassin's Apprentice. And for for a card game, you want to have a really good Kickstarter video. So I called up Russ and said, hey, you want to direct my Kickstarter video? He said, well, send me the script. And it was only a page and a half long. It was 90 seconds, right, for a Kickstarter video. And he said, I think you got a story here, but you got to expand it. Why, why don't you make it into a five-minute script? So I expanded it out and ran it by him. And he said, okay, let's, let's go get this funded. And we went into uh, Kickstarter and did very successfully we 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 had robert picardo signed up to do it i had met him on that that earlier occupants set and um we were more successful than we thought on the kickstarter so we decided to, to expand the film from five minutes to 12 minutes yeah which is actually what it about what it ended up being and uh we we raised a little extra money through indiegogo and then started shooting in December 2016. And you're using Robert's like fame, Star Trek fame or fame as an actor, like to help with the campaign campaign because you have him attached to the to the film? No, no, that that would not be copacetic. I we we don't <laughs> I mean, certainly his name is involved with it, yeah. but we don't have a Star Trek theme behind it. In the in a roundabout must, way, in the roundabout way, I'm asking, say, how do you how do you what's the, what's the best way to market a, a Nico Gogo campaign? Like, how do you you seem very accomplished at doing it and very good at doing it? And uh, so I'm just curious what the game what the what the, what the skill set is involved to have a good campaign. Well, another person that I had met during this process, and this was also maybe maybe it was in 2015. Uh, I met um, 
a producer called Ryan Ryan T. Husk. And he is deep into the Star Trek genre. Uh, he knows many, many Star Trek actors and goes to the conventions. And I think he's produced several of the films like uh, the documentary on Deep Space Nine and some of the other ones. Uh, and he is very accomplished at doing Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns. Okay. He's got it down to a science. So he's the guy who really ran the campaign for me. And he did a bang up job in, in raising money. So then, so but, but you, but you've done a few of these though, right? Yeah, we did uh, the first movie and the second movie that way. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, okay. So then tell me about like, uh, basically like you have a certain amount of money that you have to raise. And if you don't hit the campaign, then they'll like, you have to like, you have to hit a certain bar, I guess, 90%. Well, with Kickstarter, you have to hit your, your numbers with Indiegogo. You don't. Okay. So we, we usually start out with a Kickstarter and, you know, keep the, the bar low enough that we're pretty sure we're going to get to it and exceed it. And then with the follow-up, we do Indiegogo, which has got no bar you have to hit. It, gotcha. can, it can be less. And then so and then so basically, Russ kind of motivated you to kind of make it a 12-minute film. These, the, the, basically, it's, you, it's like a girl, like a very skill-set girl who's being apprenticed by the Robert Picardo character to be an assassin, I guess, right? That's the, and that's the, the basic plot? Right. Sort of a coming of age for an assassin's apprentice. And you wanted there was a female like the female lead was that was it important like to be for her to be female. Well, she was also part of the Disney posse. Oh, was <laughs> she? Tara Page, and uh, she was a Facebook friend, and I invited her to to join in on the the group. She's a a, a stuntswoman and actress, so she's quite accomplished. Um, and. Uh, I asked her at the same time as I was asking Picardo if he wanted to be the master assassin, if she would be interested in being the assassin's apprentice. And she very, very thankfully said yes. So I'm old enough and maybe you're old enough. I remember Robert on the Wonder Years. He was the coach on the Wonder Years, right? Robert Picardo? Yeah. No, I, I remember him from the Vo Star Trek Voyager. I remember. I remember him from like 1988. He was he was the Kevin's coach. He was like a really crazy coach on the Wonder Years, and then he was on China Beach it. as well. <laughs> you know, this new Trek is only like the like basically you. It's only the, the Star Trek character, but he was pretty accomplished before he got on that show as an actor. Oh yes, very very much. Uh, he was in Total Recall. He was the little robot was. Uh, taxi crab driver so yeah he's very accomplished um but i knew him as you can probably tell i'm a classical star trek fan and so are a lot of the people that are involved in these projects i called you a trekkie is that is that was that appropriate for me to say that yeah it's fine all right so you, so you got the girl uh basically as the as this the, the assassin's apprentice it's kind of the beginning scenes you you start the film great where like Right away, she's in an action scene and she's looking, she's kicking some butt. And then you kind of, then, then you kind of take us back a little bit and you kind of establish how she's being trained, I guess, right? As, a, as an assassin. Yeah. I mean, basically, we started out with her training. Yeah. 
uh, she was up on a hilltop. It was it was in Granada Hills. I have a, a childhood friend who lives up there. He allowed us to use his his house and mansion for um, for the exterior shots, which was fantastic. And uh, she's training with with uh, the master assassin, and they get this call that this very evil person is uh, now in L.A. and they should go and and stop him from his evil doings. Yeah. So it it then goes into a um, semi-serious, semi-comical uh, run from Granada Hills down to down to L.A. Uh, you know, we're we're playing with the distance and the time a little bit, obviously, but. But only people uh, from LA know that, right? So people, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, she was chasing this drone. It's called the Free Runner drone, and it's kind of her sidekick. So we tried to make the Free Runner drone into a character on its own with its own personality. And you know, she has her mishaps on the way, and she ends up there at the um, the I guess I think it was called the Cellar uh, Cafe. And the bad guy was down there with his cohorts and she goes down and, uh, well, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, Yeah. but that that's the end scene is, is her confronting the bad guy. Gotcha. And then, so she, her, her apprenticeship is almost over, I guess. Right. She's, she's a badass. She's getting there. I mean, she's still fallible. She's still on the hero's journey, so to speak. Uh, hasn't quite gotten there. And uh, that's why we followed up with Assassin's Apprentice 2 to help finalize that journey for her. So the film does well. The first film does well in the festival circuit. Is that what motivated you guys to like, let's do a second one because it's it, people seem to like the first one? Um, Not so much. I mean, R Russ is very, very good at uh, the film festivals and, and, uh, uh it's not not a major motivation for me i i just want to tell a story and even if i mean if it had gotten into no film festivals maybe i would have rethought doing a second one yeah. but it wasn't important to me how well it did i just wanted to, to tell the story that said don't you want people to watch your film though sure sure all right, so let's, so let's talk about the second one. The second one was, what, three, four years later? Yeah, let's think about that. Uh, I guess it was, yeah, 2018, late 2018. The first one was done. It was in the, the film uh, circuit. Uh, it was doing fine. And I got the itch to continue to tell the story because the first one, in, in 12 minutes, you can't tell a huge story. Yeah. Um. So I wrote up the second one, ran it by uh, Russ Emanuel, the director, and Ryan uh, Husk, the producer, uh, the Star Trek producer guy. <laughs> and uh, they were both on board. So we ran another uh, Kickstarter campaign to raise some funds for this. And it was set in, it was more ambitious, first of all. It's in multiple locations. Yeah. And we were shooting in LA. We were shooting on the Canary Islands, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a little pricey. We also had a ton of special effects in this. So the Kickstarter campaign went well. We went over our target, 
but we didn't have enough money to do the whole thing. We had a, a, enough money to do about 40% of it. So we did the 40% in March of 2019 okay. and shot it in a warehouse down in uh, Compton, California, big warehouse. Okay. And uh, the shoot went well. We, we edited it together to a kind of teaser trailer and used that for an Indiegogo campaign. And we raised another 30% or 40%, which gave us enough money to go to the Canary Islands and kind of flesh out the, the beginning and the end of the story. Gotcha. And then so then so then this one like has, has gone to many festivals as well, and it seems to be doing like really well. Like it's it's, it's people are watching your films. Yes, yes, that's that's very satisfying. And so would you would like would you is there is there a feature idea here or no? Oh, definitely. Uh, like I like I say, I've got the first fifteen pages written, and it it knits closely together the first two, but it's a it's a new kind of end game type where we're drawing in previous characters and resolving the various tensions and and completing uh, Tara's uh, hero journey to full-fledged assassin yeah gotcha and so then so then you and russ are just like going to keep making movies or like i'd love to i love working with russ he's great and is the is the is the is the disneyland posse still happening it is uh in the meantime i've moved up to oregon so it's a little harder for me to get down to to disneyland but uh we did have one get together this year and hopefully another one soon. Oh, why did you move? Why, like, I'm just curious. Why did you leave Los Angeles for the, the great state of Oregon? Uh, well, my family moved up here. My two kids both moved into the Portland area. Gotcha. Uh, my son got married and has our first grandchild. And uh, my daughter's also settled up here and uh, just seemed like the right thing to do is to, to get close to the family so that, uh, we could maintain that. Oh, that makes that makes total sense. How do you like it up there? It's great. And, and so basically, so did, did did Russ send you the audience uh, feedback video that we sent you? I don't believe so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. All right. So let's. Why don't we talk again uh, when uh, when the when the when the third film is made? Terrific. Look forward to it. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. One, two, three, four, five.